What a beauty! G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds Supercoach Podcast. I am Lech Dogan. I am joined by the best man from WA, a man who I had the privilege of meeting in the flesh over the last week. Damo, how are you? I am good. I uh, I don't really like flying, so it was a big, big achievement for me to move to move myself to your neck of the woods and meet you and all the other boys in person. But it was a good trip, a very worthwhile trip. That was fantastic to, to meet you in person. We got to meet a lot of the guys, the Jock Reynolds crew. Uh, not everyone was able to make it, but we love them all. We all met up. We went to the Mel... Uh, which game did we go to? Melbourne and... No, Melbourne Collingwood. And then we went to your boys, Frio Bulldogs. Yeah, and... Uh, the Collingwood Melbourne game was disappointing for Clarkey as a Melbourne supporter, but it was a good game to watch as a neutral as a neutral at the game because it was pretty much goal for goal and close throughout the entire game. And yeah, disappointing for Clarkey as as I said, but as as a neutral, I sort of picked a good game to go to, and and it was then a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was exciting. We saw a few people not from the JR crew. Al Payton was there, the legend himself. We saw Jesse Spanner, shout out to you. We saw Troy, shout out to you. It was just an awesome, awesome weekend of footy and fun. And I don't really want to talk about Supercoach or or Carlton, but we can talk about other things, Damo, I'm sure. Yeah, there's other things to talk about. Um, both Josh Kennedys are now going to retire at the end of the season. Um, the West Coast, Josh Kennedy playing his last game on Sunday against Adelaide, kicking eight goals in a in, in a performance where uh, people were thinking that he could potentially go on, but he said himself that his knee is absolutely ruined, and he was also getting the, fed the ball a fair bit as well to get to that eight goals. I don't think he would have got there if the if he wasn't retiring and the Eagles weren't feeding the ball to him. And the other Josh Kennedy of the Swans, uh, he's well, who, who knows if he ends up playing for the Swans again uh, this year with all of his hamstring injuries but he's another one who is uh who's pretty much super coach royalty after um his averages in in the high one in the high 100s 110s over the uh over a period of time no absolutely shout out to both of them uh josh kennedy of sydney fame obviously as you said a, a, an infamous super coach selection over the years so uh, as a place in all of our hearts. I feel like Josh Kennedy of the Swans was someone that people were too scared to pick up, too too scared to start, but he was good for a score between 95 and 110 most weeks. And he sort of sits in that Zach Merritt bracket now where Zach Merritt's a very similar player, but people don't necessarily like to start him because it's not sexy and cool. No, no, it's not. Uh, just looking through his averages... 2012 averaged 120, 105, 114, 110, 113, 197, 107. So 
he's been around the block, old Kennedy, and, and provided us a lot of value back in the day. Damo, this podcast couldn't be brought to you without the help of Manscaped. Manscaped product alert. We owe, we owe. It told me to insert sirens there, so that's my siren sound. We owe, we owe. Lads, you asked for it and they listened. Our friends at Manscaped are bringing the ultra smooth package to Australia. It's time to stop, drop, and order this premium shaving kit. Everyone knows by now that the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best electric shave for your balls. But if you're looking for a closer shave to go bare down there, then the ultra smooth package is the perfect set. It's time to shave that bush of yours and get right to the roots with a discount just for you. Get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. With code JOCK, that's code J-O-C-K. The Ultra Smooth Package is a specialized groin shaving kit to help you buff, protect, and smooth your most sensitive areas. I'm talking crop shaver razor, crop exfoliator, and crop gel. Men, you no longer have to borrow your ladies' razor for that precise trim. Heaps of stuff in this package, Damo. Uh, Plenty. uh, Step one. Crop exfoliator infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep the skin on and around your groin feeling refreshed. The crop exfoliator can help reduce the risk of ingrown hairs in your delicate places. Step two, crop gel. See where you're shaving with our unique clear shaving gel just for the groin with four essential oils. It's like a spa treatment every time you shave. And then step three, it's time to shave. The crop shaver was designed for shaving the groin area with confidence. This razor is three precision blades include... uh, Include extra wide lubricating strips and a pivoting head for the ultimate groin grooving grooming experience. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code JOCK. That's code J-O-C-K at manscaped.com. 20% off plus free shipping with code JOCK at manscaped.com. Smooth out your fellas with the now available ultra smooth package from the fellas at Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Shout out to Manscaped, Demo, just for sponsoring us this year and, and allowing us to do things like have a website and have a podcast and and also go to the footy with the uh, the hardworking crew. So um, that and visiting the website, Damo, listening to the podcast, leaving reviews, visiting the website, it all adds to our sort of ad revenue, which is essentially what paid for, uh, for the beers and the footy and stuff like that over the weekend. So it was a huge, it was nice to say thank you to all the guys and, um, Hopefully next year we can afford to pay for your flights over demo. It would be nice to do the trip again in 12 months time. Who knows what 12 months time brings, however. Um, And the Manscaped package is a very good package. If you haven't tried the Mount but want to, make sure you use our code. Even if you just use it to get that underwear, that is so damn comfortable. It is damn good underwear. Demo, there was plenty of news from the weekend before we get into super coach talk, I'm trying to delay that as much as possible. Hopefully by the end of this pod, we'll be able to advise everyone around to Patrick Cripps. He's currently at the tribunal as we record this on Tuesday night. Injury wise though, uh, and also Tim Kelly has been suspended for a week. That might affect some draft coaches out there. Injury news from the week demo for me, then the main one was obviously there was some concern over Connor Rosie who went down with a, I think it was a knee injury, but he has been cleared of any damage and will be available for selection. So good news for me and anyone who owns him. Was there any other major injury news that's going to affect super coaches out there, Damo? 
Uh, the only other one that you could really uh, worry about, if you've held on to George Hewitt, hoping that he returns eventually, Carlton have ruled him out for the remainder of the regular season. So he will only return if Carlton do make the finals. Um, hopefully they do make the finals for you, Black Dog. Uh, he's one that you could safely move on now if you've got the trades in the bank. Uh, don't hold out for Brody Grundy. He's been ruled out for the season with a stress fracture in his ankle. Nick Floston went down, so if you own him, it looks unlikely that he's going to play this week. Dan Hanavery, for anyone who bought him in as a loophole punt, went down with injury, and historically, that would mean he's not coming back any time soon. Other than that, I think there's no real injury news relevant to super coaches out there, at least none I could think off the top of my head. So let's go to good super coach thing. Just bad. before you move thing. on, Lek Dogs, some people did jump on Toby Green as a potential oh, of course. Uh, cheap of course. option in the forward line. He is now ruled out for the season, having to get surgery on a thumb injury. So uh, he is out for the season. Got uh, ruled out late last year as well, uh, Toby Green. So bit of a trend there maybe a guy that we just got to avoid uh, towards the end of the season particularly when GWS aren't performing super well Darcy Parrish did make his return as well this week scored 120 super coach points which was uh nice to see he can still produce scores let's go good super coaching bad super coach thing demo you can kick things off I reckon Oh, my good super coach thing was I have no trades, mm-hmm. but my team is actually performing better with me having no trades than it was when I actually had trades. So I guess it just proves the theory that you just got to hold out. You know, the total points theory, Dog, that you like to, that, that, that you I talk like about to... and don't act on. Yes. <laughs> It just shows that if you hold on to players, they will eventually come good. I'd, specifically, Jack Crisp, 105 on the weekend. He stepped into the role that Taylor Adams is no longer playing due to injury. Um, and all but two of my midfielders scored over 100 as well. And then Wits and Nankervis scored about 300,000 points between them. So... I had a good week and I had no trades. It was all through looping and faith that <laughs> I got this good score. And hopefully I can continue that for the rest of the season, but I am not feeling confident. Yeah, my weekend was probably the opposite to that demo. Uh, a lot of players underperformed. But I've just got a shout out, and he's featured here a lot in this segment for me this year. But I, I cannot look past Nick Dacos again, who scored another 129 points. This kid, mate, this kid, we talked about it over the weekend. We've talked about it before. We're going to have to have a serious conversation about him for 2023. Uh, has two teams left. He's playing Sydney and Carlton. Exciting. Exciting stuff. So he, for me, is the shining light. Uh, not the shining light because I had players score more than him, but he's the shining light in terms of someone that really excites me for the future. So he is my good thing. Do you have a bad thing, Damo? I I do have a bad thing. My bad thing is Tom Stewart scoring 48 against the Saints on Saturday night. I thought he would score a whole lot better than that, but I believe he was actually tagged. 
Yeah, I uh, I didn't watch the Geelong game. I was which what day was that game? Was that the Sunday or the Saturday? That was the Saturday night. So uh, we were busy um, at an arcade and at mini golf. Yes, yes, we were. We what a wild time we had. Um, yeah, disappointing for owners who who a lot of people would have held Hewitt a week, then traded him to Stewart and. Uh, pretty disappointing return for those that grabbed him. Um, uh, you take it if you grabbed him on his first game back where he did turn up, but yeah, that 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 is an annoying score. My bad super coach thing for the week is, uh, well, he's not here to defend himself, so I'm just going to say Patch. Patch, uh, I'll argue, convinced me to select Mason Redman, and I bought him in as a bit of a pod, a bit of a risk, but off the back of his 176 Sort of been averaging well over 100 since round 9 or 10. Pumps out a 68 against GWS for me. And to be fair, should have seen it coming because the funniest thing that can happen when it's involving Essendon will always happen. And the funniest thing for me would have been trading in Mason Redmond and having him not score very much. So it's my bad super coach thing for the week. I expect him to bounce back over these last two games, but slightly slightly annoying demo there must be something there must be a name for that when you jump on someone who's gone 100 100 100 100 100 and then he gets traded in by about 600,000 coaches and suddenly he scores 40 so there must be a name for that somewhere but um it seems to happen a lot expectation demo it needs to it seems to happen a lot and uh it all seems to happen in the same week that everyone brings this player in so it does it does well let's talk demo i guess look this might all be irrelevant come the end of the pod if patrick cripps gets gets off i don't imagine he will but let's just go straight to patty cripps replacements i think it's a a smart place to start this one he's in he's still in 55 percent of teams most people have one maybe two trades left if you have more well done to you if you have less bad luck let's look at some players we can trade Paddy Cripps to because outside of that demo I don't think anyone's doing any cash grabs and I think we've got mm, not a heap of options in terms of players to trade out this week so I think it's going to be very Paddy Cripps focused that's the number one for me that jumps off the page by the way it, well there's two one is Clayton Oliver who is uh, who I will bring in uh, for Paddy Cripps this week if he misses um i traded him out when he broke his hand for took miller and rory laird but the one i'm excited is the man we mentioned just before it's uh, actually darcy parish who's in 4.4 percent of teams the price difference is just seven thousand dollars demo he's got 120 in his return game the tag went to zach merritt and not darcy parish he's an accumulator and he can score pretty well I do like the Darcy Paris selection. They've got some pretty cool games coming up to end the season. They against Port Adelaide on the weekend, which uh, he scores fairly well against. And uh, then they've got Richmond, who don't really uh, play an accountable role against opposition midfielders. So he's got two fairly favourable games coming up to end it. I've got one to throw back at you. Uh, I've got... Luke Davies Uniac, who will actually save you some money if you need to save a little bit, or if you've got not not much in the bank, he's 
He's had a nice run of form since about round 12, um, only falling below 100 a couple of times with um, 119 against Sydney. They have got Adelaide and Gold Coast to end of the season. And once again, neither of those teams play a hugely accountable role against opposition midfielders. So he's someone else that people can look to. He's in less than 1% of teams. That that should be illegal. He's in you know, slightly more teams than Dion Prestia. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's pretty crazy. Is he I someone actually... that you might look to start next year? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. He's he's fits right in that mould of play that I will get sucked into next year. So some shown some strong form towards the end of this year, slash the second half. Well, a lot of this year actually, but particularly towards the, the end of the year. I like that. He'll be priced relative like pretty nicely with an average of a hundred over the year and you know, who else is going to do it in that team? The question mark would be, and I think you were about to say this, what does Ben Cunnington do to his scoring if he comes back into that midfield? I actually think it improves it. I like that. Because Luke Davis-Uniak would get the tag. I think Ben Cunnington in the team, just what Ben Cunnington can do at full flight, I think... I think Luke Davis Uniac will get off the chain because the attention will go to Ben Cunnington, despite his age and um, his battles of this year. Another player that people could trade Patrick Cripps to Lechdog is one of your favourites, Noah Anderson. I'm, I'm looking at pods because people are looking for those points of difference to help them in their league matchups um, and to move them ahead of the crowd in their rankings as well. Noah Anderson fits that bill nicely. He only scored at 93 on the weekend, but he's another one who's had a nice run of form since about the middle of the year as well. Um, 93 against Hawthorne, but 105 and 135 in the two games prior to that up against Geelong this weekend. But Geelong, Geelong back their system more than anything else. And then North Melbourne to uh, end the season as well. Yeah, no, I, I think he's a viable selection. He has a high ceiling. We've seen him go 130 plus four or five times in season 2022. Another guy that really excites me for next year in a very similar position to Luke Davies Uniac, and it might be a, a a choice next year between the two for me, but they'll both be competing for that breakout position. Uh, yeah, no, no, no issues with that, Damo. No issues with that at all. I thought you were going to select, suggest a different Gold Coast player. Which Gold Coast player would a that be? A player that you on? might have suggested a few weeks ago and I might have scoffed at you, David Swallow, who scored 130 points uh, on the weekend. I don't know if you scoffed at it. I think you were surprised by the suggestion. I had a, I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> That's when we need to record the video on this because my reaction to you saying that name... I think Tim Mitchell was on that episode. It might have been a mailbag. Absolutely threw me. Yeah, but, you were uh, you were taking a sip of of a nice beverage, and uh, you uh, you almost choked on it. Yeah, well, he had thirty three disposals on the weekend and one hundred and thirty points against Hawthorne. Six marks, seven tackles. The week before, he had twenty two disposals and one hundred and eleven points against West Coast. Obviously, a lot of risk here, a lot of uh, points sub 100 this year, but has gone big on occasion. Similar story, Geelong and North as the remaining games. We probably can't spend too much longer on Patrick Cripps' replacements, but I'll just throw one more name at you 
and then we can move on to something else. Jack Viney. Yeah. 118, 110 the last two weeks. He seems to really rev up for finals, and I'm assuming that he's going to have some big weeks against Carlton and Brisbane coming up as well. Well, I'm taking credit for his 110 on the weekend. I uh, I screenshotted uh, the chat, so if anyone wants me to post that on Twitter, let me know. But I at one point heading into that Melbourne game, he was in my team as a loophole option. I'd used my last trade to bring him in, and I said, Guys, I'm backing out because I think I need to hold this trade. But if he goes big, you can thank me. And go big he did, 110 from 30 disposals, six six tackles. He averages about six or seven tackles over the last couple of months. The guy is a beast. Quite like that as a suggestion, Damo. Quite like that. He does seem to fire up for finals and does seem to do well against the teams at the top of the ladder where there's a real contest involved. So he's one of those players that doesn't beat up on low teams. He's he's sort of the one of those players that brings himself up for teams for games against top teams, which I quite enjoy that about him. He's, he's a good player to watch, even if he's not always a reliable super coach option. Yep, yep, yep. I want to flag this with you, Damo. Talking in defense, uh, I've been very, very critical of Jaden Short and his pox end of the year and his inability to take the opportunity since he sort of moved into and then out of that midfield over at Richmond. But somehow he's still ranked ninth overall for total points in defense. I'm, I'm not totally sure how that's happened, but he is still in the conversation. I expect he'll drop in these last two weeks. But just wanted to point out, while I'm really pissed off at him, he has put in the hard yards for the year, but geez, he's been disappointing. Yeah, he has been disappointing. I haven't been able to move him just due to my lack of trade. So I've had to sit through his 77s and 85s and all of that. But um, he is he is still averaging 97.6 for the year. Yeah, so just most of that was front-ended. It was like a, it was like a front-ended contract. <laughs> We got all the points up up front. We should have traded him after that. He's probably someone that uh, people will not look to start next year. He was he had some high expectations at the beginning of the year, and we thought, oh, you beauty, when he comes out with 109, 136, 110, 111 to start the season, and then moves to the midfield. We think, oh, this is great. He's gonna he's gonna blow the roof off the the supercoach world and then comes out and starts going 85s and 84s and 82s and 77s mm. so he's he hasn't just because you're playing in the midfield doesn't mean you're going to doesn't mean you're going to produce a good score it's going to be interesting cuz i get, i guess these these averages are put these total points are pushed out by the fact that George Hewitt and Tom Stewart have both missed uh you know what have they played 15 each out of 20 so they've both missed five games each. They would, if they had not missed, they would have come into that upper echelon, and Jaden Short would have been down, you know, ranked eleventh or twelfth on the year. But yeah, it's it's a hard one. Probably didn't expect Adam Sard or Angus Brayshaw to be in the top ten, but it's just it's it's frustrating. But he has played relatively well if you look at the year as a whole. But geez, it's annoying to be an owner of him. Not looking to trade him myself, but I know if coaches out there are, um, there's not a hell of a lot of options given how much cash he has bled. It's kind of like Dan Houston or Dan Rioli 
And that's about it. Maybe a Blitzars if he comes in this week. Blitzars has been very good. Um, let's talk about the ruck line for next year just a little bit, just quickly. Let's do it. If Paddy Ryder retires, Ryan Marshall's almost a non-negotiable, you would say. Yeah, I could probably argue against it, but yeah, he's pretty good when Paddy Ryder's not in the team. I can't really put any confidence in any other option at the moment. If Mark Blitzarves keeps his ruck slash defender position, is he someone that you could potentially start in that R2 position and then move him back once someone emerges? Yeah, it's kind of hard to say. Geelong are a team that I, I like to, I, at the moment, over the last couple of years, I like to avoid in Supercoach just because I'm not sure what their goal is. Uh, if they win a flag and a couple of guys retire, then I think his 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 selectability is a lot higher. Um, if they ha- if they are gearing up to go again, I imagine that they think one of Jonathan Segler or Reece Stanley or whoever is in that best team. They've got a young and upcoming back line. Uh, he, he's an option, but he's going to be not too dissimilarly, too in quotation marks, dissimilarly priced to a Brody Grundy. So who has who was a lock for year after year? Speaking of Brody Grundy, a report came out about half an hour ago that Melbourne and Geelong are both looking at him as potential options in the off season. Yeah, and apparently he's also been interviewed by GWS. So, uh, despite them not having a coach, so a lot of there's where there's smoke, there tends to be some fire. Um, He's an interesting one. He's an interesting one because I think priced at an average of 103.5, he's going to be very affordable and you're going to look at his go look at his scores from this year and go, oh, it was an off year, blah, 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 and you're going to look back through his history and talk yourself into him. It depends where he plays and it probably depends on, I don't know, just what the new norm is. People are looking for value in the rucks, but I don't see where that value comes from next value, year. Value could look like Scott Lysett, who has missed most of the season with a shoulder injury. Could he, Lloyd he Meek, had, maybe? Who knows where Lloyd Meek ends up? I um, I would prefer to keep him at Fremantle, but I know that um, he's probably going to come up in Luke Jackson discussions. Yes, no, most definitely. Even Luke Jackson will be discussed. I don't think he's ever going to be the number one ruckman at a team. I'd give anything for Kieran Strawn to go somewhere and be the number one ruckman, and you know that. I'd give anything for that. Yeah, you're a big fan of Kieran Strawn, and um, I'm a big fan of Lloyd Meek, and I've said multiple times um, that I actually think that Lloyd Meek is a better ruckman than Sean Darcy. I'm now yeah. putting, I'm now putting it on on podcast live recording. Um, so I'm hoping that Lloyd Meek sticks around. It wouldn't surprise me if Luke Jackson does take that number one ruck mantle next year, though, um, with Sean Darcy playing more of a forward role. But who knows what happens there and how that deal gets across the line. We've talked a little bit. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens in the Hawthorne ruck line, I, you know, who who steps up? Does big boy McAvoy retire? Interesting to see if there's opportunity there. I think there is a greater than zero chance that Carlton go after an, an established ruckman. 
be it a Goldstein, be it a, I think Sinclair's probably not good enough, but be it someone of that ilk. And then there's also question marks, Damo, over the Ruck situation in West Coast. Will there be an opportunity for, for a Williams to take the number one role? There's some question marks. Just on West Coast, with Josh Kennedy's retirement, Oscar Allen presents as an option for next year. A bit of a Mitch McGovern, uh, Charlie Kerno sort of sort of situation there. He's probably going to bob up around that 260k price for next season. And with Josh Kennedy's retirement, he should play pretty much every game that he's available. So he's a cheaper option to put on your radar for next season already. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that as an option. I think we've got to look for. We've got to try and find these value picks again. One from Carlton would be David Cunningham if he can get on the park. They finally, for the first time in 12 months, updated his injury report and said he's joining in skills training next week. So he'll be about 200K, maybe cheaper next year. He'll be an option. Toby McLean, I'm hoping he doesn't debut. Well, for his sake, I hope he does play for the Bulldogs. But for our sake, I hope he doesn't play for the Bulldogs. He should still get a 30% discount given that he's only going to, given that he's played less than a handful of games this season if he does come in. Ben King, Will Phillips and Orazio Fantasia, I wouldn't touch him, but are, are some more options that we'll be able to look at for next year uh, for cheapies in the forward line. And I haven't, I, I couldn't, I was trying to find some value in defense, but I'm struggling a bit. Maybe I'll just have a quick scroll while we're chatting, but I couldn't, I couldn't see much that was jumping out at me. Um, Michael Hurley, you don't imagine he'll be playing next year. Uh, Caleb Marshbank will have played four games by the end. So his values probably, disappears there's not a heap that uh that excite me in defense maybe a liam stocker but yeah it's it's probably i think defense is going to be a, a stackable line in terms of premiums next year and we're again gonna to have to try and find value in the forward line i think the forward line will be where lots of people put their value because i don't think people prepared for the dpps as much as they would have liked to that they they started the three premiums as usual and then brought in players that they knew they could swap out eventually once these DPPs happened. But I don't think anyone prepared for Marcus Bonzompelli, Tom Liberatore, Luke Parker, all these sorts of players to get their forward eligibility. So I think people will probably start with maybe one or two premiums and then some nice value options around the edges. So they've got plenty of room for upgrades later on, meaning we might see lots of teams starting with some some stacked midfields and defenses to start the season. Yeah, I know I certainly I certainly didn't plan around players getting DPP more that I was I was trying to be conservative and going well, I was I was thinking more like what if Bont doesn't get forward DPP am I just saving a spot for him or am I jumping on value when it presents itself for me. I ended up getting a bunch of guys with forward DPP that are scoring well but I was very conservative in how I planned. I think I'll be a bit more flexible this year and Take potentially take no in quotation mark premiums starting in the forward line pending who has forward eligibility. Um, A player that people might be tempted to start, he's been a super coach stud of years gone by. We'll probably have forward eligibility next year. Would you look at Nat Fife if he has a full preseason as a forward option? It would be hard not to, at least at you know, at the very least on, on name recognition. He'll be cheap. 
uh, he'll be forward line eligible. There was, it, it'll it'll probably feel like a risky pick that ends up being a no-brainer pick if he does have a full preseason. Yeah, he is someone that I will be watching the preseason of closely. And yes, he's never played a full season um, of of, uh, of AFL, but I still think he's going to be a good option. And um, a full preseason can, can do wonders for a player's form as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, and another guy that we'll be looking at pretty closely will be Ben Cunnington, who... We know has the ability to to average really highly, 100 plus, averaged 109 in 2021, has missed this year to date uh, with a range of different issues, number one being uh, cancer, which thankfully he's been cleared of. Uh, He will come in at a discounted price and he will be an option for us to consider as that sort of mature body in the North Melbourne side. So he'll be one to watch as well. There's a bunch of these, you know, risky, your Connor Blakeleys and your Charlie Constables and those sort of guys, but I just, I just don't see a world where any of them are, are realistically in someone's best twenty-two, and we're selecting them confidently in SuperCoach. I feel like if Connor Blakely goes anywhere out of Fremantle, it's going to be to a team where he plays almost that Luke Dunstan role of being there if one of their key mids goes down at any point, but doesn't play an entire season unless something drastic happens. Yeah, I feel the same about Matt Crouch as well. That's why I'm 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 off him in terms of my stonks in uh, keeper leagues and draft leagues and he's going to be probably not drafted super early in drafts and maybe you'll get some value out of him towards the end of a draft, but he's one that I'm I'm certainly not keen on heading into next year. I just I just don't see it. All of these guys we're mentioning uh, are kind of one-dimensional players, and that's not what's in vogue anymore. A few years ago, it was, uh, but these days, um, we want coaches want versatile players that have more than one, you know, skill set or more than one, more than one, uh, one wood, as they call it. Damo, I think we've talked plenty. Has do we know if Patrick Cripps has got off yet? They're still presenting his case. Um, at the moment, they've said uh, it's an aerial contest in which both players had the eyes on the ball. Um, there was no bump. It was reasonable to contest the ball the way he did. It wasn't rough conduct. He didn't bump. Therefore, it was not careless. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, let's assume that... Uh... Let's assume that he doesn't get off and you can take our advice on who to replace him with. Demo, let's go through captaincy options for this week and wrap up the pod, I reckon. Yep, okay. Uh, did you want me to start with the first game? Let's do it. All right. Uh, St. Kilda take on the Brisbane Lions at Marvel Stadium on Friday night. Um, St. Kilda's options are obviously Jack Steele. Um, there's probably not a lot of other options at St. Kilda. At Brisbane Lions, you've got Lockie Neal as probably the best option in that lineup. Yeah, I think Lockie Neal is the obvious one. Probably a guy, I think I said this uh, maybe a couple, it might have been a couple of months ago now, Demo, but kind of underrated. Haven't really spoken about him this year. And uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's the number one point scorer in Supercoach again, despite being only just slightly higher than 600k in price. It's a 
it's a very strange sort of situation. The, the man's a beast. He is very good. He's only had a handful of scores under 100, I'm pretty sure, as well. Only one or two, maybe three. Yeah, I'm looking. It looks like two scores under 100, a 198 earlier in the year, and a hell of a lot of scores around that 100 and 120 mark. So, yeah, no, he, he's your option for that game. Next game on early Saturday is the Bulldogs against the Giants. This game doesn't usually bring a whole lot of um, options in terms of scoring because the Giants set match up quite well against the Bulldogs. Obviously, you've got your Dunkleys and your Bontempellis and your McCrays in that one. And the Giants, well, who's even lining up for the Giants these these days? They've got an injury that looks like a phone book. Yeah, it, you know, if you had to pick someone from... The Giants, you're almost looking at like a, I don't know, a, a Himmelberg or a, or a Whitfield. It's not someone I'm comfortable with. I'm off Jack McRae for VCC. I think he'll still score over 100. Um, in fact, I, I'm going to put this out there. He would be my number two choice in this game behind Marcus Bontempelli, but I, I'm not going with either. Did we want to do tips for these games? Sure, let's do tips. Uh, on Friday night, I'm tipping Brisbane. Yeah, I'll, I'll tip Brisbane too. Uh, and I'll tip the Bulldogs as well. I'll that. tip the Bulldogs too. Uh, next game is Adelaide against North Melbourne at Adelaide Oval. If you're not picking Rory Laird in this game, then who the hell are you picking? Um, I'm tipping Adelaide as well. Uh, I will tip Adelaide. There's definitely a, a story you can tell yourself about Jordan Dawson, who averages 116 against North and 109 at Adelaide Oval. And just an interesting little tidbit, the number one averaging against opponent in this game, a player in this game, is Lockie Scholl, who scored that faithful 160 against North. I think it was last year. So there you go. I'll be tipping uh, I'll be tipping Adelaide. Next game is at Metricon Stadium. The Suns take on Geelong. Can the Suns snap Geelong's winning streak? I highly doubt it. I'm not really going to pick anyone in this game as a captaincy option. If you were had your hands tied, you could possibly look at Took Miller. Yeah, if Dangerfield plays, he's maybe a shout, but he's he's oh, yeah. It, it's it's Took Miller if, if you had to, but he he doesn't love. Uh, he doesn't love Geelong. Let's see what his recent scores against them were. Uh, 133, 81, and 101. A bit too inconsistent for me. Melbourne against Carlton at the MCG on Saturday night. Clayton yep. Oliver's probably the one to go for here. Uh, from a Melbourne point of view, you could also look at Max Gorn against a, Som- uh, against a Tom DeConing. Uh, from the Carlton side, Sam Walsh is probably the option there, but who knows how well he goes with a midfield of of probably Walsh, Chera, and Dow. Yeah, I know. I actually hope that Dow comes out and throw anyone in, throw Fogarty in, throw anyone in. Jeez, give me something. Uh, yeah, no, Clayton Oliver averages 121, or actually 122 against Carlton over his career, 108 at the MCG, recent scores of 140, 127, and 158. Blues won't tag him. They may, well, if they had their full outfit there, they might have sent Walsh to just kind of run next to him, but that, that's not a negating role. It's a, it's a, it's a Clayton Oliver masterclass is what's going to happen. 
Tipping Melbourne in this one. Yep. Black dog. Sorry. I will be tipping Melbourne as well. I we went to that Collingwood Melbourne game. There's no way if they if either of those provide the pressure that they did in that game, Carlton will crumble immediately. Next game on Saturday night is the Western Derby, Fremantle against West Coast. Um, Andrew Brayshaw is the one to look at in this game with West Coast not having a lot of midfielders to pick from at the moment. Tim Kelly suspended, Yo ruled out. Luke Shuey seems to spend half the game on the bench just to make sure he doesn't ping that hamstring. It's a bit of a nothing game, this. If you wanted a YOLO option, Shannon Hearn scored 156 in round three against Fremantle and, and has been on a real hot streak since uh, since about round seven. Just two scores under 199 and a 71 and a couple of scores of 130 plus. So in some form, but obviously if you're captaining Shannon Hearn, you've got some some issues, I'd imagine. I was assuming at this point that most people have put the vice captaincy on Rory Laird. If he seems to not do his thing for for whatever reason, you could almost YOLO it and put it on someone like a Will Brody just to just just because. Yeah, you could. But if you're VCing, uh, if you're VCing Rory Laird, you should be putting the C on Clayton Oliver if you've got him. Um, I I just think that's that's the answer, and all this other stuff is nonsense. These games are kind of. Kind of a bit meh this week from a super coach perspective. Yeah, they are. I've and probably also a bit meh on a matchup perspective as well. I looked at the Squiggle website, you know, the stats uh, website with yeah, all yeah. the with all the data models from all those wonderful people. the The two games that are closest in tipping is St Kilda Brisbane at the beginning of the round and Essendon Port Adelaide at the end of the round. Every every. All the other games, their projected winner has a seventy to eighty percent winning chance. So uh, that's it means this round might have a few big blowouts. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Well, let's let's get through these last couple of games. Tipping Fremantle, by the way. Uh, yeah, so I'll be tipping Fremantle as well. Sunday, Richmond against Hawthorne. The way Richmond played last week, you have to tip them, and they're not a huge. Supercoach relevant side. Same with Hawthorne. Out of hope, I will be tipping Hawthorne. <laughs> um, Tom Mitchell. No one's going to put a captaincy on Tom Mitchell. Even James Sisley doesn't super excite me. Uh, yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no one I'd be comfortable thinking. Oh, this guy's going to come out and have a huge game in this one. So, but yes, I'll tip Hawthorne purely out of hope. Next game is Sydney against Collingwood. I would dearly love Sydney to win this and snap Collingwood's losing streak. They can't but, keep getting away with this. But if Collingwood win, then the Dockers are a chance for top four. So I probably need to tip Collingwood and hope that Collingwood win, unfortunately. It's going to be an interesting game. Uh, a, a guy who hasn't scored well recently but historically scores well against Sydney is Scott Pendlebury. So if things are going badly for Collingwood, if you think that Sydney might get out to a hot start. They might break glass in case of emergency and put pendles into the mids. Uh, but, but yeah, not a huge selection of options in this one. Again, maybe maybe a Buddy Franklin, but... Callum Mills is bold. one that people could look to. They gave up a lot of score. They gave a lot of points to um, 
Clayton Oliver last week. So Callum Mills shapes as that kind of player. Um, who knows? We know he can go big. That's probably a good shout. I think he's the one with the highest upside in this game. Yeah. Who, who knows how he goes against Collingwood's midfield, which is chopping and changing every single week, but they seem to find a winning combinations within games just to win that by those little margins. Um, I I think I said I was tipping Collingwood just, just out of hope that Dockers could get into top four. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'll tip Sydney. And the game to end the round is Essendon against Port Adelaide. Uh, not much needs to be said about this game. I'm tipping Essendon and Darcy Parrish is probably the best captaincy option. Yeah, Parrish. I mean, I don't think Port Adelaide are going to tag Zach Merritt. Uh, so either of those, Zach Merritt historically likes Port Adelaide, but he, he's probably more of your one, one ten to one sixteen sort of players in this game. Which I think you're right. I, I think uh, Parrish has the potential to go super sane. And that's all of the tips for the round. Yeah, who did I tip I'll, uh, in that game? I'll tip I'll tip Port because because I hate us and hear that patch. Yeah. <laughs> well, Damo, let's wrap this one up. Thank you for joining me, you beautiful human being. It was so nice to finally get to spend some time with you in person. I look forward to doing it again and again and again. And shout out once again to everyone who came along, and shout out to just the whole community for sticking with us throughout the years. And this year uh, has been a really positive one. We've still got next week's pod and then we'll have a bunch of post-season content, but we're starting to wrap up and uh, no more mailbag this year. That's correct, Damo? No more mailbag, but I've been interviewing some highly ranked coaches and some coaches who have been highly ranked in the past but aren't reaching those heights. So we're sort of exploring how players got so highly ranked and then how players and the challenges that some highly ranked players from years gone by have faced this season that they didn't necessarily face before. So read those. It might help you plan better for next year, but um, I feel like they're just interesting answers because they're all asked the same series of questions. It's just the answers that you probably need to read to really get to the meat of the potato. Oh, I've just been reading the questions. I was wondering why all the articles were so similar. Um <laughs> Oh, that's a terrible joke. Anyway, thank you to Manscaped for sponsoring the pod. For all your Manscaped goodness, go to manscaped.com and use code JOCK. That's code J-O-C-K. Keep an eye out for uh, Around the Grounds, for the uh, the Panic Room, which I promised to update, and then we spent too much time having fun at the footy, so I never did. Uh, we got the cheat sheet. We've got, as Damo said, Talking with Damo, which are fantastic articles. And just keep an eye out because there's plenty of stuff still happening. Good night, community.